everyone, and welcome to another episode of Book Goodies Authors Podcast Series. I'm Deborah Carney, your host, and today I am joined by uh, Ira Naiman, who is an, both a self-published author and an online author that has had a website up for, what was that, 10 years? It will be 10 years old in September, yes. That's awesome. So, um, Ira, why don't you introduce yourself and tell the people a little bit about yourself? Okay. Um, I have uh, devoted my life to writing comedy. I decided that that's what I wanted to do when I was eight years old. And um, I did it on and off as a teenager and into my early 20s, but I've been doing it pretty steadily since then. Uh, We have the website, Lake Hajo Fall. I've also published three books, uh, collections of material that originally appeared on the website. Um, They're a combination of science fiction and humor. Um, The basic idea behind them is that there's this organization called the Alternate Reality News Service. Uh, They send reporters off into other dimensions, and then they come back and write news about what they find there. That sounds Um, cool. Oh, thank you. People who have read some of the books describe it as a science fiction version of The Onion, if your listeners are familiar with that. Um, I also uh, have several short stories. I have a separate series of short stories about uh, what happens in a world that where um, all matter has become conscious at all levels of organization, from the smallest subatomic particle to uh, galaxies and, and the whole universe. Oh, wow. Uh, and the, the main character is uh, an object psychologist, so his job is to figure out the psychology of newly conscious objects. And they're a lot of fun. I've managed to place, uh, well, four have appeared in science, uh, science fiction and general anthologies, and I have two more coming up. Actually, I just found out within the last week. So that was pretty cool. And also, yes, um, I have a novel. It's called uh, Welcome to the Multiverse, Sorry for the Inconvenience. And it will be published by Elsewhen Press um, in an electronic version later on in the year and then in a print version early next year. So, pretty busy. Yes, you're, you're keeping busy. Um, now, you self-published your first set of books. Um, what was your reasoning behind that? And it sounds like you maybe self-published them um, before uh, Kindle and all those things when it, back when it was a little bit more difficult? Or uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about those? Sure. Uh, the first book, Alternate Reality, what it used to be, uh, was published with iUniverse in 2008. Um, the second book, What Were Once Miracles Are Now Children's Toys, was published with uh, Eloquent Publishing in 2010. Um, and the most recent book, uh, alternate, the alternate, um, oops, sorry, Luna for the Loonies, um, was published uh, early this year. And that one I did through uh, Smashwords and CreateSpace. Okay. Um, the reason for that was because... Um, well, there were several. One, uh, I, I was finding it difficult to uh, get people to um, go to my website, which is a, a chronic thing when you've got you know billions and billions of websites. Mm-hmm. And I thought uh, having a physical book there would um, would actually interest people more. People mm-hmm. could get into the book, and then if they liked the book, they could go to my website and read so much more material. Right. right. Um, but there was also the issue of uh, reviews, right? People mm-hmm. 
uh, there are a lot of uh, review blogs now and, and just general reviewers who won't review anything electronic. It has to be in print. Yeah. So to get that kind of critical attention, um, I needed to have a print book to give them. And, and that actually worked out very well. The first book uh, got three or four really positive reviews. The second book, uh, several more. And so I've, I've sort of been growing a... Um, a critical base, if you will. Well, and that's really important because you figured out who to reach out to, and if they liked your first book, you know how to, you know, you can get them your second book and and any subsequent things that you publish because they're, you know, they'll add to your fan base, and then they'll bring their friends along because, as we all know, one of the things about books is, you know, if you enjoy a book, you're going to tell everybody, and if you don't like a book, you're going to tell everybody. <laughs> You know, well, even that's, that's exactly right. It's about um, small steps. Yep. Right? Uh, getting uh, part of the reason I, I should also mention part of the reason um, that it took me maybe five or six years of, of working on the website before I had to publish anything in print um, was because it allowed me to experiment with with my writing before I actually tried to go for a mainstream audience. Mm -hmm. um, which I think was very important. By the time I got the first book out, I was confident that I knew what I was doing. Right? I was confident that uh, I was actually good enough to, uh, to attract an audience. Well, and that's really important because a lot of writers, you know, they don't, they don't feel like their early writing has done anything for them. And, and like you said, you've been writing since you were eight. So, you know, you have... Yeah, but nobody is ever going to see any of that. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, my son wrote his first book when he was 10, and he threw it away. And, mm -hmm. you know, but then he sat down and took a year to write another one, you know, and finished it when he was 12, and he was more confident with that one. Um, and it's the same thing with you. You get out... You, the important thing is to get out of your head and write it down. You know, that's that's the most important thing is to teach yourself that it's okay to just write it, whether it's good or not. Um, I think that's uh, probably what you were doing when you were eight, is you were just learning how to express yourself via the written word. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And um, in my other life, I have a master's in communications, or master's in media studies and a PhD in communications, and I've taught uh, new media at universities. And one of the things that I've, I tried to instill in my students was that as, a, as an artist, you have to be fearless. You have to go where your imagination takes you and, and write the things that, that most move you. Um, and a lot of people, particularly early in their careers, um, are afraid of doing that. You know, will I offend people? Will it work? Will it... Um, Does will it, it fit work? into what people are looking for? And like you said, you have to throw that all away and just realize that your voice is your voice and it's no one else's voice and you shouldn't try to sound like anyone else. Oh, absolutely. I, I have to say, I would not say this for myself, but from uh, three or four of the different reviewers, uh, that I've had have uh, compared me to um, compared my writing to the writing of Douglas Adams. Nice. Um, and I'm of course honored because I'm a big fan of Douglas Adams, and he was one of the uh, influences on my writing, no question. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, I would prefer 
that uh, people accepted my writing as my writing without necessarily comparing it to anybody else. Right. But you know that that happens. I mean, oh, <laughs> no yeah. matter who you are. Um, and I'm, listen, I'm grateful that I get compared to such a, a great icon. Yes, right. no problem. I have no problem with that. Um, the only thing is, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you want to be known for your own thing. Um, but as a as a photographer, I uh, hear all the time, oh, your photographs look like art. They're so beautiful. And then you hear people in an art gallery and you hear, oh, these paintings are so beautiful. They look just like photographs. And I'm like, what do you want? <laughs> do you want photographs? Do you want paintings? What do you want? You know, so um, it's the same kind of thing with, oh, he writes like in the style similar to Douglas Adams, but he has his own way of doing it. So, you know, the more you write, you know, a few years from now, someone will say, hey, you write like Ira Naiman writes. <laughs> I, I'd like to dare to think, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, your books sound very interesting, so um, I can't wait to go and take a look at them. Um, now, if someone were just starting out, what advice would you give them? As I said, try to find your own voice. Try mm -hmm. to find your own way. And don't worry too much about audience. I think that people give too much thought. Um, hold on, I'm getting feedback. Um, I'm hearing my own voice. All right, hang on. Let me turn this down. Is that better? Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's much better. Thank you. Uh, I think, you know, people give a lot of thought to who my audience is. And the problem is that if you... Uh, try to please too many people, you end up losing your own voice. Mm -hmm. I think ultimately it takes longer to build an audience for something that's different, obviously, because, you know, people, I, I do agree, I do understand that people want things that they're familiar with, want mm -hmm. to be comfortable with, um, and somebody with a truly unique, truly new voice um, obviously doesn't fit their convenient categories, but over the long haul, and you have to um, plan your uh, career for 20, 30, maybe even 40 or 50 years, mm -hmm. over the long haul, um, finding your unique voice will attract an audience. It's a, it's a kind of build it and they will come concept. Mm -hmm. um, so try to find that thing that is your unique interest and your unique way of saying it. That would be, you know, my most important advice to a, a writer starting out. That's awesome because there's there's so many people, like you said, they're hesitant, they're afraid of criticism. You have to just be able to get yourself out there and not let anybody, you know, tell you that you're not. You can let people correct your story by saying, "I don't get it," but don't let people say, "Oh, that's horrible. You can you can't. That's a bad story. Don't tell it." Well, uh, actually, one of my um, one of my favorite uh, playwrights of the 20th century, Samuel Beckett, I think, uh, he summed it up very nicely. He said, um, "Fail, try again, fail better." <laughs> right? You should never be afraid of failing. You should never be afraid that what you do won't work. But then, once you've done it, you learn from it and uh, don't make the same mistakes again. Right. right? Yeah, that's, that's a great piece of advice. 
Um, and again, the self, um, now you're going with the publishing house for the next book instead of doing it yourself. What prompted you to do that? Well, there are several, um, problems with self-publishing. Um, one of them is that while, uh, there are a lot of reviewers who will, uh, review, um, print books no matter what their source, there are also a lot of reviewers who will only publish traditionally, uh, who will only review traditionally published books. Okay. They won't review self-published books. So I found that that was a barrier that uh, that could only be overcome by publishing uh, traditionally. Um, there's also the issue of getting books in bookstores. It's very difficult to get a self-published book into bookstores, whereas with a more traditional uh, publishing route, it's uh, it's much easier. And that's important because bookstores are still um, a primary source of books for a lot of readers. A lot of them will um, you know, buy through Amazon and that's fine. I've got my books listed there. Uh, but a lot of us, and, and I'm one of them too, I must admit, just like browsing through a bookstore to see what we can find. Yep. Um, so again, that's a barrier that uh, could only be overcome by uh, finding a traditional publisher. And I'll be honest with you, I mean, there is still, and, and you interview a lot of writers, so you probably have come across this before, there is still a stigma to self-publishing. There still is, uh, a lot of people still feel that um, that if you're self-published, it's because you're a loser, because you couldn't get a proper publishing uh, <laughs> deal. Right. No, and, I'm... you know, that's, I have to admit that um, part of the reason why a lot of people believe that is because, frankly, there are a lot of bad self-published books. Mm -hmm. And I don't just mean poorly written, but I mean, you know, just not well edited, right? right? right. So you read a book that's self-published and it's had, you know, a lot of spelling and grammatical errors, and you think, oh, well, this reflects badly on all self-published books, unfortunately. Yep. Um, so, again, you know, Getting uh, published in a, in a traditional way by a publisher is um, a way of saying to the world, um, no, my writing is actually good enough. Right. And that's, you know, psychologically, that's, that's very, very important. Yep. And I think that your point about editing, you know, whether you're self, especially if you're self-published, uh, most of the authors that I have spoken to do have um, an editor that works with them. Uh, sometimes it's a family member, but it's almost always somebody, you know, I think I've only had one that said she edited her book herself. And I think that's the part that a lot of people may uh, scrimp on or not think that they need. And you need a non-partial person to read your your book and to edit the parts that are maybe a little unclear or, you know, you think you said it one way and it came across as something else. And then, of course, there's the whole copy editing thing just to make sure that you have your grammar and, you know, your sentence structure and everything. Uh, have all your P's and Q's um, in the right in the right uh, format. And frankly, spelling. I mean, yeah. we live in an age of spell check. There is no excuse for, for misspelled words anymore. And yet, uh, you can find them in self-published books. Yep. And then when the, when the reviewers find them, I had a book that I had thought I had very thoroughly edited. 
and I put it up on Amazon and um, some people bought it and one person said this book is horrible the grammar in it is terrible and I'm like did you read the same book that I put up there so I was like I was a little you know taken aback that they thought there was bad grammar and bad punctuation because it had been edited by myself and by two outside people actually so um, it's something you've got to stay on top of your game or the reviewers are going to really, they'll crush you, you know, right, right from the get go. Cause, um, there is too it's much, true. there's a little too much garbage, especially because it's so easy to create an ebook. And part of the reason of this author series is cause I want you guys with good books to get out there and get known. So people realize that, you know, no, it's not all garbage. It's, there's some really, really good writing up there. I um, have have worked uh, closely with editors on particularly um, the short stories, mm-hmm. in anthologies, and I have to say, um, we may disagree on on points of grammar, but uh, oftentimes they would point out um, either an issue of character or just a, a plot hole that yep. I just I my attention was on other things when I wrote that part of the story and it just didn't occur to me. Mm-hmm. So I am now uh, very much a fan of good editors. Now, of course, there are editors who will try to actually reshape your story into a different format because they think that's the better story to tell. Mm-hmm. You do have to be um, strong enough, I guess, to know that. Uh, know the story you want to tell and if somebody is trying to get you to tell something different to uh, ultimately walk away if you can't get that person to agree with it mm-hmm. uh, but overall I, I still maintain at least my experience with editors has been very positive and I think they're a very important part of the publishing process yeah and that that's just something that I think our listeners need to hear because you know some of them want to cut corners or whatever and they just don't don't they they're not they're impatient and they just don't think it's necessary so you know or they're afraid they're afraid that the editor is going to kill their baby right right but the editor is actually or at least good editors who are on the same page as the author uh helps make the baby more beautiful that's nice i like that (laughs) um all right, and then as far as like cover design and things, did you get those done yourself? Did you do those yourself, or did you find someone else to do them? Well, I uh, for somebody who actually has rotating cartoons on his website, I must admit that I'm a horrible, horrible artist. Okay. Um, so I can't execute myself, but I have to admit, for all three of the uh, alternate reality news service books, I uh, designed the cover. So I gave the um, publishers. Well, in the first two cases, I gave the publishers very specific, um, you know, stick figure drawings of exactly what I wanted on the cover, mm-hmm. um, and they actually executed them. I'm nice. so happy with those covers. Um, for the most recent book, I found uh, on Twitter actually, uh, I connected with um, an artist who uh, does covers for a very reasonable price. And, uh, again, gave him the, the basic design and, again, was just absolutely delighted uh, with what he came up with. So, uh, so far, I've been fortunate. Now, with uh, Elsewhen Press, the publisher of the novel, mm-hmm. I sent them a half a dozen different uh, cover designs. And uh, their response was, you know, we have professionals for that. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know what's going to happen with that. The, uh, one of the advantages of, of course, uh, self-publishing is that uh, you have complete control over these things. Once you get a publisher, um, a more traditional publisher, uh, you have input, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, control, not so much. Yep, and that's because they, um, you know, to their credit, they have tested certain elements on covers and should know how to create an eye-catching cover that will draw people to your book. But sometimes it just doesn't go along with what the author thinks should be on the cover. Well, you know, there, there are two ways of responding to that. The first is that, um, that because they're all doing the same testing and they're all getting more or less the same results, I find that a lot of commercial book covers look the same, yep. which means that it's harder for them to stand out than <laughs> it is easier, right? Yep. So there's that problem. But there's also the problem of representation. Like the, the thing about the covers of the books I've published so far is that they actually... Um, reflect the content of the books, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas with a lot of commercial covers, they're kind of generic and they don't actually tell you anything about what the book is like or about. Mm -hmm. um, and part of that, I think, is because a lot of uh, cover artists don't actually read the books. So they don't really know. They're just given some design ideas by the publisher and you know they execute them to the best of their ability, but they don't really capture anything about the books. And that uh, should be a concern of authors. Yeah, that should be. Um, and to be fair, you know, the graphic artists don't really have time to read every single book they have to design a cover for, but they should be in contact with the author to be able to uh, make the book cover um, be more representative of what's inside the book. Or the, the um, publishers should be giving them less generic um, assignments. Right? Yeah. They should the be more specific. Ultimately, the publisher has read the book and should be responsible for making sure that the cover uh, represents the book. Absolutely agree with you on that one. Um, let's see. But let me just say, just so that I don't give the wrong impression. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I found, again, I found Elfwen Press on Twitter. Uh, that it just, um, I came across them as I was looking through it and um, just kind of almost on a whim um, decided to submit my book to them. Okay. The first response I got from them was, we've looked at some of your bios on the internet mm -hmm. and you look bonkers. Bonkers, <laughs> all capital letters. Just the kind of person we're looking for. Send us the first three chapters. Nice. So I sent the first three chapters, and their response almost immediately to that was, ooh, you know, you hooked me within the first two sentences. Send us the in entire novel. Awesome. Okay. So, you know, they've been just... Um, <coughs> oh, excuse me. They've just been incredibly supportive. They're, they're just wonderful, wonderful people. Well, and I think uh, they sound like they're probably uh, one of the smaller publishing houses. And one of the nice things about the um, onslaught of self-publishing and publishing on the Internet and all the new technology and everything is that you do have, you know, legitimate publishing houses that are not the big, huge mammoth ones that are more tailored toward specific um, types of writing and specific types of books, and they can do that very well. 
you know, they can handle, like you said, they were looking for people who were bonkers and that wrote interesting things that, you know, may not be all that mainstream. And that's something that, that they can specialize in and they can run with you. And when they call bookstores or whatever, they know, the bookstores know what kind of books they're going to get from these guys. Uh, absolutely. There are actually very small press and uh, that deal specifically with science fiction. Um, and they're British, which means two things. Um, one, I've been ha- I've had a lot of people over the years tell me that I have a British sense of humor. <laughs> oh no, that's dangerous. That I, and that's a market that I should be going for. So the fact that it was a British publisher is actually quite um, uh, quite good, mm-hmm. right? Um, and the other thing is, uh, I've completely forgotten. <laughs> You remember in a minute or two, or uh, when we're off. Or we'll the just air. go on to something else that's more interesting. Uh, old man brain, it's happening. <laughs> um, now, with your current website, you sell your books from your website. Are you continuing on with the satirical essays that go on the the website itself? Oh yeah, the website is still the main project. And I should also mention that next year I probably will have uh, two new alternate reality news service books out, all being well, and I will self-publish them again. Okay. Even though I have now a uh, legitimate publisher, um, the control I get over self-publishing is still important for that series of books. Okay. I'm also writing the shorts, will continue to write the short stories, and probably will have another novel or two down the road. Um, and we'll continue to try and find legitimate publishers for those. Um, but it's not, to me, it's not an either-or situation. Both have advantages okay. uh, for different projects um, that make both um, attractive to me on an ongoing basis. Uh, that's a good point. I like that. Um, for your for your really out there stuff, you like to have more control and don't want a publisher telling you you have to change it and then for your still bonkers but more mainstream type stuff um, you can go with a publisher that appreciates it and you know if these guys do a great job for you you may have a long relationship with them oh I hope to definitely um, and of course you know if um, if Tor.com or uh, if Tor or one of the major you know science fiction publishers in the states said we'd like to take over publishing of all your self-published novels, well... They can I, have them. <laughs> yeah, I probably wouldn't say no, but uh, since I don't see that on the horizon, yeah. this is the plan for now. Right. And how much do you use social media to... Now, you've already mentioned a couple times that you found a, a cover designer and you found the publisher via Twitter. Um, how much of your time is spent on, on uh, social media? Well, as you you and probably your uh, listeners know, um, it can be a huge time suck. You could spend all day on social media if you weren't careful. Right. I try to limit myself to uh, an hour or two um, internet communications. That includes Twitter. Uh, I'm also on Facebook. Um, I'm also on Goodreads. I'm also on LinkedIn. Um, and I'm on... Um, uh, a social network called My Outer Space. Okay. It's uh, it's specifically for science fiction uh, artists, uh, writers, directors, producers of uh, science fiction material. 
Um, and it was started by William Shatner, of all people. Oh, nice. Um, so I, you know, I could, uh, and of course I include email in that, so I could be spending a lot of time on that. Um, and I've lost sight of your question. Okay. okay, it was how much, how do you, how do you use social media in addition to how much time do you spend on it? Well, the important thing about networking, as my web goddess just reminded me, is that, um, it's about the networking. It's about connecting with other people, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, on Twitter, I do a lot of uh, retweeting. When I'm on Facebook, I try to reply to posts that my friends have made. Um, I'm hearing my feedback. I'm hearing my voice again. Oh, I'm sorry. I haven't moved anything. <laughs> Maybe I'm just talking more voluminously now. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um. So the important thing is not just to um, post information about your latest book. Uh, I find that a lot of authors, I, I try to connect to a lot of other writers, and I find a lot of writers use it only as a, a one-way medium to talk about their writing. Um, and unfortunately, when you've got you know, 100, 200, 300 uh, writers that you're following, and they're all trying to sell your books, uh, sell you their books, uh, that really becomes um, dull very quickly. Mm-hmm. It really does tend to pale. Uh, one of the things when my web goddess convinced me to get on Twitter, one of the things that I decided was if I was going to do it, I was going to try and do a lot of original writing for mm-hmm. it. And I actually um, approached Twitter as a um, as another creative outlet, an outlet for my creativity. Okay. Um, at the moment, I've got um, special themed months where every day I will post a, a new tweet uh, on the theme of the month. Last month, for instance, was um, false facts about the War of 1812. <laughs> because the, uh, the War of 1812 has is, is been promoted a lot here in Canada because we won, we beat the Americans. Okay. Um, and I just thought that that kind of warlike jingoism is so out of step with, with the Canada I grew up in anyway. Right. I wanted to make fun of that. Um, I do a lot of puns on the internet, uh, on Twitter in particular, which, um, uh, let's say have a mixed response. Yeah. <laughs> not, a, not everybody likes puns. Um, there was one week, uh, there was one month where, um, uh, it, uh, I do a lot of absurd stuff too. There was one month where every every tweet of that month uh, had the phrase "coughing up a rhino" in it. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, things like in space, no one can hear you cough up a rhino. Oh, nice <laughs> stuff like that, right? Uh, just so that um, it's random. There's more than uh, I do more than self promotion, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's very important because it makes people actually want to follow me yeah. so that when I do do the self-promotion, there are actually a lot of followers there. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, you want to actually engage your people instead of just preaching out to them. Exactly, exactly. And I get a lot of stuff retweeted because of that, mm-hmm. which uh, I don't think happens if it, I don't think would happen if I was just you know, self-promoting my books all the time. Um, so I think that's that's a very important point for for uh, writers to um, consider when they're approaching social media. Now, how does your typical writing day go? 
I do not have one. <laughs> I do not have a uh, any sort of schedule or any sort of timetable. I have been known to write while I was waiting in doctor's offices or, um, you know, I can develop ideas on the subway. I might not write the whole piece, but I'll write down, um, you know, in point form notes about what I want to write. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I get back at my computer, um, I have been known to write for 12 hours a day. I sometimes write for, you know, 20 minutes a day. Mm-hmm. Depends on what's coming. And if nothing is coming, I'm not one of those writers who, you know, forces himself to sit behind the computer for six hours and, uh, you know, write write garbage. Mm -hmm. Um, If it's not coming, there are uh, so many um, background things that I have to do Mm -hmm. just to maintain my pace because uh, I update my website on a weekly basis with at least three new pieces of writing. Mm -hmm. And that might not sound like a lot, but over a course of a year or five years or now almost ten years. That's a lot. It's huge. It's huge. I've literally written enough for, uh, in ten years, I think I've literally written enough to make uh, 14 different books. (laughs) Uh, Well over a million words. That's nice. Um, so, you know, I have to do things like I, I'm, I read two newspapers a day. I have to read constantly um, to develop ideas. Um, I have to take care of the uh, email and social media and all of that stuff. So, I mean, when they're, when the writing is not coming, there are uh, do interviews. Um, when the writing is not coming, there are a lot of writing-related activities. Um, you could consider them professional activities um, that I still have to do. So yep. Even when I'm not, uh, you know, when it's not there and I, you know the creativity is just not coming, um, I can still feel like a, I've had a full writer's day by doing those things. I should also mention because I do science fiction, um, because I write science fiction, I go to a lot of science fiction conventions. Um, I just came back this weekend from uh, Polaris, which is a convention in my hometown of Toronto. Um, those are awesome. Well, yeah, tons of new ideas flow from just walking around one of those. Oh, talking to people, being on panels. Um, they're an awesome uh, marketing tool, but they're also just really fun to attend as well. Um, so if you have any listeners who are science fiction uh, writers, um, they should really consider. It's also a really good way of getting connected to the science fiction community. Uh, they should consider you know, how often they can go out to these things. I have, uh, there are three in Toronto okay. um, and uh, every year, and I've also tried to get out to at least three or four others outside of the city. Uh, depending upon what my finances uh, are like. I, hopefully, if all things work well, I will be in England for the launch of my novel next year, which is, uh, uh, I'll be there for a a science fiction convention, Um, but also because I've always just wanted to go there, so (laughs) it's pretty thrilling. Yes, I've I've been watching Doctor Who since I was like this high, which of course your uh, listeners can't see, but it's not very high. (laughs) Yeah, Doctor Who is been out there for quite a long time oh almost 50 years um so yeah and just i'm obviously i'm a big fan of british culture one of the uh panels i was on uh, at polaris was actually about um uh, monty python's flying circus which i'm just a huge huge fan of 
Um, so I've, I've been sucking up all this British culture for so long, it's, it's you know, almost like going home, even though I've never actually been there before. <laughs> That's really cool. You're going to the home you never knew you had. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, all right. Well, um, I want to thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. And can you, I know you said the name of your website earlier in the podcast, but it's um, also going to be something that I think folks need spelled out. A lot of our people listen on podcatchers and not necessarily go find us on on our website. So um, if you can tell us where your books are, where your writing is. Absolutely. Um, my website is called Les Pages au Fall, uh, and it can be found at uh, www.lespagesauxfolles.ca. It's a Canadian domain name, not .com. Okay. Um, in print, uh, my books are Alternate Reality Ain't What It Used to Be, What Were Once Miracles Are Now Children's Toys, and uh, Luna for the Loonies. And uh, those books can all be found on Amazon. Um, Alternate Reality Ain't What It Used to Be in Luna for the Loonies are also uh, available in uh, e-versions as well as um, print. Okay. Um, if you are interested in the uh, Vanderwall short stories, there is one in an awesome uh, anthology called Unconventional. It's about what happens behind the scenes at science fiction conventions. Oh, wow. It, it's just, I was so proud to be in that anthology. It's just so much fun. Um, and again, I'm pretty sure you can get that on Amazon.com. And uh, people should definitely check back uh, at my website on a regular basis, and there'll be announcements of when uh, new stories are uh, available in anthologies, and of course, when the novel comes out. Okay, and what's your Twitter? Oh, oh, uh, I'm Arns Proprietor, A-R-N-S-P-R-O-P-R-I-E-T-O-R. Okay. Uh, I'm the proprietor of the Alternate Reality News Service. That's on the cover of the most recent couple of books. Okay, nice. All right, um, and as always, all of our listeners, you can find our podcast at bookgoodies.com, and you can just search for Ira, and I'm... I think he's the only Ira I'm interviewing, so you'll be able to find his podcast rather easily. And feel free to leave us comments um, and suggestions. And if you want to suggest um, a topic you'd like to hear us cover, or if you want to volunteer to be on one of our podcasts, you can use our contact form at the top of the page. And we also have a link at the top of the page for authors to submit to tell us about your book. So you can list uh, list your books right on our website. And uh, as always, we like to thank geekcast.fm, G-E-E-K-C-A-S-T dot F-M, where, uh, for hosting all of our podcasts. And they also have a large variety of marketing and internet marketing podcasts that you can go over and, and enjoy as well. And for book goodies on Twitter, it's just twitter.com slash book goodies. And on Facebook, facebook.com slash bookgoodies. And you can find me at debracarney.com or on Twitter at Loxley, L-O-X-L-Y. I want to thank everyone for listening. Thank you, Ira, again for joining us. And get writing and have a great day.